Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Amen. That's the, that's the rejoicing we're going to do in heaven. How many want to go to heaven? How many want to make heaven your home? Hallelujah. What a miracle. What a picture of grace and mercy. To see those lives change. And if you're sitting in that chair and you go, that was me or that's me or that's what I'm battling with, today's your day. Today's your day to get set free. Today's your day to get rescued from the flames of hell and snatched from the flames of hell by a gospel message. Amen? And, and, and maybe you're saved and you need to get some things right. Wherever you're at this morning, God is going to meet you right where you are. What we just saw right there is what's called the chain of grace. It's a chain of grace. God's grace from the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, and it allows us to be a part of it. How many are thankful for the mercy of God this morning? Amen? I want to read a verse in Jude chapter 1. It's just one chapter. It's actually verse 20, 20, uh, 20 to 23. And I want you to look at this, and this is where I got the message title from. It says, you, dear friends, must build each other up. That's why we come to church, to build each other up. That's why we don't stay home and sit on the couch instead of coming to church. And if I'm speaking to you this morning, yes, I was. If you caught that, I was talking to you. Not talking to the people who are elderly and sick and can't come in, or people like my mom and dad who would literally do anything to be in church I'm just talking for a moment to you that's staying home instead of coming to church because it's more convenient. Come on, can I get an amen in here from the people that are here? You, this is fellowship, and God said don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. He says build yourself up in the most holy faith. So you can watch this video and be touched on, on live stream, but you can't feel what we feel in here. You can't feel the excitement you can't feel what we feel here. So get to church. Everybody shout that out for those that are watching on live. Get to church. Come on, tell them like you really want them to get here. Get to church. Amen. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will bring you what? Eternal life. In this way, you, in this way, you will keep yourselves safe. In God's love. And watch this. And you must show mercy to those whose faith. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to admit. Right here on this verse. This is one of the hardest things to do. As a believer and a pastor. Is to show mercy on those who are. Leave this up for a second. Who are wavering. Those who are playing games sometimes. Those who are messing around. Those who aren't taking the gospel serious. And that's why I say we need a glimpse. Sometimes of hell, to see what God saved us from. Because it would make us go, you know what, tiredness, that's no big deal. You know what, saying no to that temptation, that's no big deal. That's nothing compared to what Jesus did on the cross to save me so that I could spend eternity in heaven with him. Amen? But it says we must show mercy to those, and so his mercy is here today to give you a second chance. Maybe a third chance. Maybe you're on your 29th chance. How many chances it is 
Brian said at the prayer very, very, very wisely, we don't know what the next week is or the next two weeks or the next. We don't know what tomorrow promises. It doesn't promise anything except that we're, there's an eternity waiting for us. And then watch what this verse goes on to say. And you ought to read the whole book of Jude. It's a powerful chapter. Watch what it says in the next verse. Rescue others by what? Snatching them. And I picture, I picture people reaching down into a fire and snatching souls out from the flames of judgment. From the flames of judgment. We're saying, you don't need to go there. You don't need to stay there. You don't need to live there. You can come out. You don't have to go to hell. Hell wasn't made for you. Hell was made for the devil and his rebellious demons. He did not make hell for you and me. We don't have to go there. Choose Jesus. Choose life. He says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. Amen. So he says, we snatch people from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. Father, for the next few minutes, I ask you to do what you did to the prayer room this morning. Arrest our minds. Grab us and get a hold of us to hear your voice. Holy Spirit, this is serious moments here because we're talking about souls that are hanging in the balance this morning. Here in this sanctuary and online and on the podcast, God, I thank you for touching people and revealing to them this morning who you are and that you're a merciful, loving God, but Lord, you're also a God of justice, and we call on your mercy this morning. We ask you to forgive us from all of our sins. We call on your mercy and your grace this morning, and we ask you to touch us and speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. As I talk about this, I want you to go to Luke chapter 16. And this is so dear to my heart because... I had this revelation. I, 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 didn't put, I didn't choose this this morning for that reason, but when I think about it, and when I talk about if you could have a glimpse of hell, I, 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 and by the way, just in case you don't know, people don't preach about hell anymore. That's, that's not talked about in churches for some reason, although Jesus talked about hell more than he did heaven. Can I get a better amen? Am I preaching from the Bible? For some reason, we've stopped talking about this place, but this place is real. And the reason it's there is for us to know that there's a place that we go when we reject God. It's a place of, of darkness. It's a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a place where you will not feel what you felt in the prayer room this morning. Where you will not feel what you feel in this place right now, which is the presence of God. No matter how you're living, you feel the presence of God. And the worst thing in hell is going to be eternal separation from Him. To not feel His presence at all. And almost 30 years ago, I had that revelation. I didn't have a vision, but a preacher was preaching a message on hell. And and I was sitting in the back with sunglasses on and arms folded, not wanting to be at church. And as he began to describe for the entire message what hell was like and what hell looked like and what hell smelled like, the more he preached, the more the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, that's the place you're going tonight. That's what God told me. So I've had the glimpse of hell, and that's why I have such a reverence for God. Because I know where I'm supposed to be right now. And it's what causes me to get up every morning and do the right thing, even when my flesh wants to do something else. 
because I know what hell looks like. I had a glimpse of it. And that night he said, but if you'll turn your life over to me, that place that he's describing, you don't have to go to. And I was smart enough, church, to run to the altar before the service was even over and began to cry out to God. And so I know what it's like to get visited in a prayer room for an hour because when I got up out of the, off the platform, it was 12 o'clock at night and I had been there for three hours. So that's nothing new to me, but I want you to experience it. And I want you to understand that you can't understand what you've been saved from if you don't realize how real this place is. We get busy. We, we don't want, we, well, you know what we do as people? We do out of sight, out of mind. Well, if I don't think about it, it won't be there. It's there and it's real. And there's a story in the Bible that says there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus. Now, go back to the verse before for one second. I want to do a teaching moment here for any guests or anybody who doesn't know the Bible really well. This is, some people would call this a parable, but this is not a parable because in parables, names were not used. In this story, which is a real account, a name is used. And some people say, well, the other name wasn't used. If you look, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, and his name is not given. You notice that there's no name there. I preached a message in the last few months called, Are You a Name or Are You a Number? If you remember that. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says if you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ, your name has not been written in the Lamb's book of life. And so your name means nothing to God. And if you were to die today and stand before Him, He would look at you after He judged you, and you would judge you righteously. And He would tell you, Depart from me, doer of iniquity, I know you not. Those are the words that you would hear from God if you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ. This rich man did not put his faith in Jesus Christ. He was not ready to meet God when he died. You go to the next thing, and I want to make this clear too. This is not a rich and a poor thing. Rich go to hell, poor go to heaven. That's not what this means. Okay? But there were, next verse, please. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, and you see his name. The reason you see his name is because his name is in the book. His name's in the book. That's why we say, Lord, please write my name down in the Lamb's book of life. My name 29 years ago was written in the Lamb's book of life. And I was snatched from the flames of hell by the mercy of God. When I did not deserve it, I deserved hell. I deserved judgment. But he snatched me from the flames of hell. And my name was written in the book. And it says he was full of sowers who was laid at his gate. Desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sowers. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died. Again, the rich man died, not, not a name, and was also buried. And being in torments, church, in Hades, he lifted his eyes and saw, and notice you see the name, Abraham. Abraham was a man of faith. Abraham was saved afar off. And he saw Lazarus in his bosom. Another thing would be that would be on his lap or very close. Or in that place of, of, of the area close to him. And he cried and said, Father Abraham. Now I want you to understand something about hell. 
For one, it's not going to be a party. Go ahead and show me the verse in the Bible where it says you're going to be in a party in hell. That's a bunch of baloney. It's a bunch of made-up stuff that people want to say out of sight, out of mind, hoping that that's going to be what it's going to be when they get there. But I always tell people they're going to wake up to a hell of a surprise when they get to hell. Hello? That's the truth. They think they're going to go to a party, and they're going to wake up in torment. I want you to notice, did we skip, did we go ahead? Am I still the same verse? Okay. Have mer- did we skip a verse? I don't think I read that yet, the first prior one. Okay. Being in torments. Okay, next verse. He cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Now I want you to understand that he is in torments, meaning it's not a party. It means you feel everything. You have, you have your senses heightened, actually. And, it says, and he says, please have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he would dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I want to leave this verse up for a second. For I am tormented in this flame. Church, this is a, the Bible tells us that this is not a flame that is temporary. It's not a flame for a few days or hours or weeks or months or even years. The Bible says it's a flame that does not go out. Some people would teach, and I would, I would love to, to just believe everything I hear because it sounds good. Some people teach what's called annihilation. And you go to hell, and you do burn, but you are consumed, and it's over. The Bible says in many scriptures that I'm not going to take time in Mark and Matthew. It says it's a place where the fire does not end and the worm does not die. You know those worms that eat nasty flesh? So it's a place of torment. It's a place of darkness. It's a place of such horrible torment that he did not ask for a glass of water. He asked for someone to dip their finger in water and put the tip of his tongue of his finger on his tongue so he could have a second, a millisecond of, of relief. Just think about that. This is what God saved us from. This is what Jesus came down to save us from. Because let me just give you a revelation real quick. We saw all across this thing here. I didn't see, by the way, anybody that had a testimony that said, I've been good my whole life. I've never made a mistake. I've been perfect. I saw gangbangers and drug addicts and alcoholics and homosexuals and prostitutes and tattoo artists and all kind, everything you can think of. And here's the crazy thing. Here's the lie of the devil. We do all this stuff and we, we think we enjoy it. We think we're having fun until we look at the bank account and there's no money there and we don't even remember what we spent the money on. We think we're having fun till we go worship that porcelain God on our knees, throwing up everything we ate the night before. We think we're having fun when we're in a relationship that we think is a good one, and all of a sudden we lose it because we're unfaithful to somebody. And all, the, all these things go on. Listen, we think we're having fun when we're snorting cocaine or smoking weed or fornicating or adulterating or looking at pornography 
We think we're having fun when we're doing all these things. And then we think that, that hell's going to be fun. You're going to go from that miserable time on this earth, what you think is fun, but it's misery. You're going to go from that time on this earth into eternal hell. You're going to go from hell to hell. Some people say, erroneously, that hell is this earth. That this is hell. That's what they say. Some people say this is heaven and this is hell. Now we can see hell. We can see heaven in a lot of things. This isn't heaven and it isn't hell. Hell's described in the Bible very clearly and we're reading it and I'm wanting you to get an understanding. I'm not, I promise you, I'm not preaching this to scare you or to, or to just waste people's time. I'm trying to get you to understand what the Lord has mercifully saved you from and rescued you from snatched you from this destination that you were going to no matter how good you think you are or how good your religion you think is. That's where you were going, just like I was. Can you just dip your finger in water to cool my tongue? For I am tormented in this flame. Let's keep reading. Watch this. But Abraham said, Son, this is what God is going to say to people on Judgment Day. Remember that in your lifetime you received good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. If you could just bring it down to two words, heaven is comfort, hell is torment. Why would you choose torment? Why would anybody in their right mind choose torment? But every single day, hundreds of thousands of people, close to 200,000, right, Dwayne? A day? Is that the number? 250,000 a day, a day are going into eternity in the world every single day. 250,000, that's twice the population of Denton, are going into eternity. Why would anybody choose torment? But they do. Does anybody see how important our job is in this church to preach the gospel? Does anybody see how important it is that we go out to the square and preach and have harvest fests and work with the youth and pray for the sick and get on the live stream and preach the gospel because 250,000 people are going to that place every day. And they're choosing to go there. Why would you choose that? Comfort and torment. Keep reading. And besides all this, between you and I, there is a great gulf fix so that who, those who want to pass... From there to here cannot. See, there is no purgatory. There is no place that you go to for some priest to pray you in. There is no place for you to go to wait for your family to pray you in. The Bible says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. If you don't know the Lord, you're absent from the body and you're in hell. Immediately. There's no waiting place. There's no resting place. And he says, there, nor can those from there pass to us. Which means it's done. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, and this is where you know that he had senses and had his mind very clear. He realizes, I can't get out of hell. I can't get out of this torment, but maybe I can save my family from coming here. Stop and think about that for a second this morning. What, what kind of torment would that be to be in hell? See, he knows his family's not there. He knows his family's going one place or the other. How, how tormenting is that going to be to be in eternity in hell and know who's not there? Sorry, know who's, who you wish don't, you don't want to come there. 
know it. And he says, I beg you, go to my father's house and send him to my father's house. Keep reading with me. For I have five brothers, very clear-minded, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Meaning, maybe you're the brother or you're the sister right now. And right now, maybe somebody's praying for you from hell. Wake up like I didn't. Stop messing around with God like I didn't. Take the things of God serious like I didn't. Could somebody be praying for you from hell right now? Is this in the Bible? Are you, are you watching? I'm not making this up. And they, he says, Abraham says, they have Moses and the prophets, which means the word of God. Let them hear them. Every time we come to church, we hear the word of God. And he speaks to us and we become more accountable for our souls every time we hear. And maybe that's why some people don't come. But it's not going to be an out of sight, out of mind thing. Amen? Jesus snatched us from the flames of hell and saved our lives. Is anybody thankful for his mercy? And he basically says, if they don't hear Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded by someone who's raised from the dead. Now listen closely to this as I begin to close. I'm going to give you a crazy truth. It got real quiet in the first service when I said this. And this is, I didn't have a whole lot of time to preach, and I really didn't preach. It was like three minutes, but I said this part. This is a crazy thought. Hell exists because of God's love. Hell exists because of God's love. We don't understand that you can't have a concept of what darkness is if you don't have light. You can't have an understanding of what sin is if you don't have perfection. You can't have an understanding of what heaven is if you don't have hell. You can't understand what comfort and eternal life with God is if you don't understand what hell and separation from God is. There always has to be the opposite of something to have a truth. And so God used hell. Pay attention. God used hell. It was never intended. Read your Bible and you'll see it was never intended for humans. It says it in the scriptures. He made hell for Lucifer and his angels. And, and this is one of the things, teenagers, I want you to listen to this more than anything else I've said this morning. Especially teenagers. Because the devil's fighting you hard. If you think you can mess around and play with the things of God and get away with it, you need to read your Bible. Because the Bible tells us that those, those demons, those that were angels, are waiting still to this day for their punishment. To this day. And I want you to understand something. If you think, well, that'll never be me. I'll never fall. I'll never make that mistake. I'll never do that. One third of the angels in heaven fell. Are you here? If one third of the angels who are standing in the presence of the living God every day, the place I want to be right now, the place I'm longing to go to, they were there and they fell. How can we think for a second that it is nothing less than mercy that saves our souls? Mercy. We're not thankful enough for his mercy. 
Listen, hell is God's last act of mercy. It's about love. I know that sounds crazy, but listen to this. Most, how many would agree with me here this morning that God's most primary attribute is love? That's his primary attribute. Everything that flows from him, it flows from love. Uh, grace and holiness and justice and mercy and all these things flow from that. But listen closely. If love is God's greatest gift, then this is why hell exists. Because you cannot, he cannot force his love on anyone. Okay, you guys got that over here. God cannot force his love on anyone. And so, if, if we are, are, as human beings, are going to reject his love, then there has to be a place for those who reject his love. Is that making sense? He's saying, I love you so much, I don't want you to go to that place. This place exists, but I don't want you to go there. I love the world so much that I came down from heaven and died on the cross for your sins so that anyone who would believe in that would not perish and would have eternal life. I don't want you to go to that place. It's real. I love you. Don't go there. Just listen to me and obey me and do what I say, and, and you're going to spend eternity, eternity with me in a place that, that your words and your imagination can't even go to. It's such an amazing place. But listen, love can't be forced. Love has to be chosen. So we have to choose, every single one of us in here, the 8 billion people that's growing every day on this earth, every one of us have to choose. All the way back to Joshua, he said, he said today I set before you life and I set before you death. Choose life. Choose life. And we would sit here and go, why would anybody ever choose death? But we do. So hell exists. Because of God's love. Listen to this last thought. One party, sorry, love has to be accepted by both parties. So when I get saved, what I'm really doing is I'm, I'm accepting the love of Jesus Christ. And I'm saying, Lord, I accept in my life, in my heart, in my spirit, I accept what you did on the cross for me. I accept your love. I accept it. And then I'm saved, and I'm, my name's written in the book. But when I don't do that, I'm rejecting his love. And listen to this last thought, because this is what a lot of people want. You can't reject his love and still want his heaven. That's what people want. They, oh, God is love. Oh, God is love. He's, if this, if he, if this, if, come on, God's love. If he was love, it all, love, love, love. They want his love. But you can't, you can't reject that and go to, and go to his heaven. You, you, no one, I've always said this, no one's going to be in heaven that doesn't want to be there. And no one's going to be in hell, believe it or not, that doesn't want to be there. Because we choose where, where our souls go. Tell the person next to you, just give him two more minutes. Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. I'm going to read through this real quick. For, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, 
The Bible says our, our righteousness. Now listen, we should have righteousness. We should have works. We should be good people. We should pray. We should be loving. We should be respectful. We should honor. We should do all those things. But that doesn't save us. Those are fruits of our salvation. But according to his mercy, when we do something right, you know why we should do it right? Because of his mercy. I, I'm doing this right thing because I thank God for his mercy. Not because it's going to make him love me anymore. Because here's another crazy thought that's going to mess you up. God loves the people in hell as much as he loves you. He does. Even the people that reject him. He will love you all the way to hell. He loves you. He has a love we don't have. We try to have it, but we don't have his love. But he loves everybody. But he still has a plan, and he has a purpose, and he has things he expects of us. And so he says, do righteous, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Watch this next verse. Whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen? Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Now watch this. That having been justified by his grace, remember grace is getting what we don't deserve. We become heirs according to the hope. We've been hearing that word a lot today. Hope has a name. His name is Jesus. The hope of eternal life. Now I want to challenge. Let me ask a question first. How many believers do I have in here? Notice I didn't ask how many Christians, how many believers. Way too many people claim to be Christians, but believers. I'm a believer because belief is what saves me. Calling myself a Christian does not save me. Believing in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead is what saves me. Amen? So let me see your hand again. How many believers do I have in this place? Now? you've put yourself on blast because I'm going to speak to you. I have an admonition and a challenge for you as a believer. You've said you're a believer. Look at this. Hebrews chapter 2. It's just a challenge. That we must be careful. That we must walk in God's holiness. That we must revere God's presence. Take that off for just one second. That we must understand that what, what people felt in the prayer room and what we feel sometimes in the, in the sanctuary and what's going on in our lives is a glimpse of his holiness that we should revere. Sometimes, I, I've said this over the years, we're, we're a spirit-filled church where we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and miracles and signs and wonders and excitement and clapping and shouting and all those things. We believe all that. We believe in the power of the Holy Ghost to move. We believe that we're not at a funeral. We're at a celebration every time we come to church, by the way. I don't see a casket here. Amen. We're not at a funeral. Jesus is alive. Amen. So we're all that. But, but there's a, a lot of religions that exist that when they walk into, now they don't, a lot of them don't have, their, have salvation and they don't even understand the truth, but they have a respect that we need. Because a lot of these places, when they go there, they walk in with the reverence. And kids don't run all over the place. And, 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 and people don't... You all get what I'm saying? Like, we need more balance on that, on the respect of the house of God. 
and the respect of the things of God. And a place in our lives where we say, those are things we don't do. Those are things we don't say. Those are things we don't think. But there's something about the reverence that some of these other churches have when they come in. Now, unfortunately, like I said, many times the Spirit of God is not there because they don't allow Him to be there. Or they're worshiping a dead God. But the reverence, I'm talking about an awe that we need. We need an awe in our lives. Because it will cause us to think twice about making mistakes or doing things we shouldn't do. So watch this, Hebrews chapter 2. Therefore, we must give, watch this, the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. Lest we what? Leave that up there for a second. Lest we what? Oh, you can't. You, once you get saved, you're saved. You got your ticket. You all, you there. Then how come it says we can drift away? Why does the Bible say work out your salvation with fear and trembling? Why does the Bible give us the story of a prodigal son who left everything and walked away from God's love and came home, thank God? you're sitting here and you think you're, you got your ticket to heaven and you're good, you need to be careful. I'm not talking about you can't have a confidence in God. I'm talking about you better stay humble. Because the Bible tells us for a reason. I don't ever read a verse and go, that shouldn't have been in there. Why is that there? Take heed. Because boy, I sure do know a lot of people who've drifted away. Oh, I sure do know. I can think of names right now. I could think of faces. I, could just, I should just start saying them like they said in the Bible. I should just start naming some names off right now. You want me to do that? See, <laughs> Pastor Mario, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Boy, I could just go down the list. I could just look at the cameras if they maybe, maybe watched. You, how, how many of you can name some names? They were here. See, we didn't get to this place, by the way, if you're a visitor or guest. We didn't build this church to this amount of people with those kind of testimonies by preaching sugar. Just so you know, we didn't get to this place of maturity in the Lord by preaching sugar. We preach the truth. We come and say, Pastor, give it to us. Whoever's preaching, give it to us. We, we want to grow. We're trying to, keep your, we're trying to help your kids get to heaven. We're trying to help you get to heaven. But how many people have we seen in here lifting their hands? How many people could we go back over the years and look at the videos and see the cardboard testimonies that have disappeared? Right? It's the truth. So we can drift away. So this is for you. The, us that are saved, this is for me. I wake up every single day and I thank God. God, thank you. For being merciful to me. Thank you for showing me what hell looks like. Because I don't want to go there. I'm just kind of smart like that. I don't like to be burned. Has anybody burned? I mean, you just burned the tip of your finger a little bit. Anybody want to try it? Maybe we should just have an altar service and everybody walk through and just burn their finger. <laughs> That'd be a cause of repentance. I mean, it hurts. And this guy is tormented in flames and just wants a dip of water on his tongue. Didn't even ask for a glass of water. Church, we can drift away. 
I've been serving God for 29 years, and I'm not in heaven yet. Anybody can fall. The Bible says, do you think he's wasting his breath when he goes, pride comes before a fall? Do you think he's wasting his breath when he says, be careful lest you think you've arrived? Do you think he's wasting his breath when he says, humble yourselves in the Lord, resist the devil, and he'll flee? None of these verses are a waste of time. He didn't put the, the description. You know, it's an interesting thing. There, if you didn't know this, if you read the verses, and I hope you do, many verses in the, in the New Testament, especially about hell, they're very descriptive. More descriptive than heaven. He, he kind of left heaven as a mystery. We've got some description of the walls, and, the, and, 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 and I mean, we know it's amazing because the streets are paved with gold. But he didn't give us a whole, I would, I would have, I've always thought, God, why didn't you give us more about heaven? Because he wants us to be blown away when we get there. He wants us to be blown away. Amen. Eye has not seen, nor ear has heard. So let's keep reading this. We must give more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast. And, oh, I didn't even know this was in my notes. I said this earlier. And every transgression and, and disobedience received a what? Just reward. He's talking about the angels that fell. How shall we escape? How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? How shall we escape the judgment of God if we don't take his salvation seriously? which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. But I want you to see more than anything my admonition to you this morning. And I, I know sometimes you guys get kind of surprised, like, well, man, we just came off an amazing month. Why are you preaching so hard to us? Because this is what got us here. This is what got us here. And I don't wake up, and listen, I, this, I think this is a pretty good mixture. I'm talking about mercy. But you can't understand mercy if you don't understand what hell looks like. If you don't understand what he rescued you from. If you don't understand that that's, instead of sitting in that nice, comfortable, beautiful purple chair, listening to this amazing preacher, just kidding, listening to this so-so preacher in this beautiful church with all these beautiful people around you, if you don't realize you should be burning in hell right now, in eternal torment, forever. We don't get an understanding of what forever is. The musicians begin to come. We don't, we don't get that because we can't because our minds can't handle it. But forever is forever. And we only get one choice. and it's, We only get one life. We only get one, time, one life to spend. And today, if you've never taken this really serious, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to people who maybe have been coming to church for 10 years. I don't care how long you've been coming to church. I'm telling you, I hate to say this, and I hope it's not true for anybody in our church, but I hate to say this, when the rapture happens, there's going to be lots of people left in church. Not because I want that. God doesn't want that to happen. It's just the truth, because too many people don't take this serious. Too many people are sitting in a church on a Sunday like this, and on Monday you're acting like heathen. And hell, people deserve hell. Living a different life. That's why I always talk about you. How are you living on Tuesday at 3.15 in the afternoon? How you living on Saturday at 6 o'clock in the morning? 
Some of you at 6 o'clock in the morning back before you met Jesus were still awake. Hadn't even been to bed yet. Here's what it comes down to. Acts 26, 18. I asked the musicians to come. They might got every time. Now I'm afraid they're going to get hit by the Holy Ghost every time they go somewhere and they won't come out. <laughs> we did the cardboard testimony in the first service, and I was like, they might be slain in the spirit over there. They might not be coming out. Here's what it comes down to. I've been preaching the gospel a long time, and this verse has been so strong in my spirit the last six months. It's not like it wasn't there. But look at this verse. This is the summary of everything we do. To open their eyes. Joy, can I share with that, that dream? Can I say it with what you told me? I was going to say it anyways, but I appreciate you being so nice about it. She's, she's witnessing to this coworker of hers at work. And if you haven't met Joy, by the way, Joy is, she's special. She really is. You're all special, don't get me wrong. Joy is, Joy gives me joy. So thankful for her. So thankful for you, Joy. There's been a few times she hasn't had that smile. She has it now. Thank God. But, you know, you just look at people's, the, the life they used to live, and you just go, wow. And I do that over all of you, so you know. But she was just sharing with me on, uh, last night after the meeting um, that she's sharing with this coworker about Jesus, and she's always leaving verses and stuff, and she's a Muslim. And, you know, we preach about the rapture all the time, right? In case you're here and you've never heard it, it's Jesus is going to call us home. In a second, gravity is going to be loosed. And we're going to go up to heaven. Could happen right now. I'm looking for it every single day. It's called the blessed hope. If you come from a church that wasn't preaching that, you're in a good place now. Because it's the next event that's going to happen in God's calendar. So we preach on that, and she tell, and I thought of this, and she says, she's witnessing this, and she said this. She came up to her, this Muslim, and said, I had a dream about us. And we were talking, and all of a sudden, you were gone. What could that be? Rapture. A Muslim having a dream about something she doesn't even probably know exists. That's powerful. So why I said that is, the verse says, open their eyes. To, this needs to be our prayer, to open their eyes. If you're here and you're like, you know, I don't know how to pray. I don't have a prayer life. Open up Acts 26, 18 and read it every single day. Read it. God, open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Is that powerful or what? Isn't that a powerful verse? That's our prayer. I want you to stand this morning. That's our prayer. That's our prayer. I saw lots of believers' hands raised. 
we're believing in this church, and we're not the only church believing for it, but we're, we're doing what God's called us to do. We can't be concerned about what other churches are doing. They're doing what they're supposed to do. But in our church, we have a, we have a vision of revival, planting churches, spreading this gospel around the world. And, just, and when God shows up like he did this morning, and when God does what he did last month in October, you can ask somebody if you're a guest, man, God did supernatural things. It's just been, the answer's just been, it's supernatural. It's supernatural. It's supernatural. 12% raise is supernatural. Getting checks in the mail is supernatural. Getting healed of diseases is supernatural. Getting delivered from drugs is supernatural. But our prayer, this needs to be our prayer, church, because outside of these walls right now are all of us times a million with the same place we were before we got saved. Scales on our eyes. Scales on our eyes. And the thing I'm so thankful for is I could be that Muslim friend of Joy's. That could be me. Have you ever thought that you could have been born somewhere else? Have you ever thought that someone might not have shared the gospel with you the way they shared it so that you could be fortunate enough to sit in a church and hear the gospel every single Sunday and know that when you die, you're going to heaven? I just can't get over the thanksgiving in my heart for that. I personally can't. I'm forever grateful. And so the way I can pay my Lord back is to tell people about Jesus and to love people like Jesus loves them to the best of my ability. And sometimes it's telling people what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. It's telling them that, listen, you're going down a dangerous path. Listen, this is dangerous. You're in, you're in danger of flames of hell. Those, that Jude, Jude said those people were drifting back towards the flames. Today, as I mentioned earlier, there's people in our church, this church, who, are, who have gone back towards the flames again. And if they come to your mind, why don't you do something about it? Won't you call them or text them or pray for them and say, God, please bring them back to church. Won't you reach out to them? I, I texted several people today and said, it's been a long time. You need to get back in church. But you know what? They expect it from me. They're supposed to hear it from me. That's what I'm supposed to do. Won't you text somebody? Won't you call somebody? Won't you stop going, oh man, won't you stop looking at their Instagram and going, man, they're so messed up and do something about it. Won't you go snatch them from the flames of hell again? Won't you pull them out? Say, listen, I'm watching your life and I don't say this judgmentally, but I see that you're in danger. I'm praying for you. Get back in love with God. It's not hard to see who's backslidden today. It's all over our Instagram and Facebook. It's all over the place. Father, thank you for this verse. Thank you for your mercy. I, my, I pray as always that what I'm saying is getting to the hearts of your people. I cannot thank you enough for the visitation this morning of your Holy Spirit because what it does is it says, I'm with you. I'm with you. What it does is it confirms that we're doing the right thing. But that's as a church and that's as a whole but what are you doing in your individual life? How are you living? I can't answer that for you. But it's very possible that there's people in this place that are not living for the Lord. It's very possible and, and likely that there's people here today that if Jesus came back, you would not be ready. There would be no oil in your lamp, as I preached last week. And today you need to get your life right with God. 
You have allowed comfort. You've allowed familiarity to come into your life. And you have put your guard down. It's time to put your guard back up again. It's time to start having convictions again. It's time to get away from those flames and turn and run from them and run to the comfort and the mercy of Jesus. How many in this place this morning, you're here, you're listening, the Holy Spirit's touching you. You are not born again. You are not saved. You have not put your faith in Jesus Christ. And right now, you need to do that. Just lift your hand up and put it right back down all across this place. That's me. Just put it up. Put it down. I've never, I've never, I'm talking to someone who's never said a sinner's prayer, who's never said, God, I've asked you to forgive me. I need to be saved today. I need to be born again. I'm not asking you what church you're a member of, how many verses you can recite. Do you believe Jesus Christ is Lord? Do you believe he died on the cross for your sins? If you do, heaven is your home. If you don't, you reject Jesus. That's, that's simple as that. Heaven or hell. How many more? You don't know if you'd go to heaven today. Just lift your hand. All across this place. Maybe you need to come back to the Lord. We're going to take some time at the altar. Repent. Revival is always preceded and, 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 and accompanied by repentance. Hearts that are wanting to do right, wanting to do better, get their hearts right with the Lord. We're going to open up these altars. We're going to sing a song. Don't come, don't look around and say, who's going? Who's going to the altar? You find a place to talk to God this morning. Because at the altar there's healing. At the altar there's forgiveness. At the altar there's restoration. And if you are, are here and maybe at some point you gave Jesus your life, but today you're drifting, say, Lord, I'm getting back on track. I'm stopping whatever I'm doing. Today's the day of my restoration. Today's the day of my redemption. And I call on your mercy. Let's open up these altars this morning. Let's find a place. Let's talk to God. Let's come in reverence. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.